welcome to 15 Days of Festive Fear, day number three. And I have five spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from the 22nd of January, 2021. And story number one comes from Nicholas. My story begins when I was around 10 years old. We had just built a second floor. At the start, I had the smallest bedroom, but that was okay. It was okay until I started to feel a bit watched, like someone was looking at me. But I had no idea from where or how, because this was on the second floor, so the windows in my room were four metres above the ground. I told my parents how I felt, but they just brushed it off as paranoia. I kept feeling watched for a while, and I got used to it. But then one day, when I was home alone, I heard something upstairs. It sounded like someone jumped, but only once. Little me tried not to think about it, but then I heard it again, and again, and again, and then it stopped. I sat for a while and then went downstairs. There was nothing to see and everything was as it should be. Then I heard a thump from above me. I looked up slowly, scared as to what I was going to see, but there was nothing. Just the hatch to the attic. Scared, I went downstairs again to call my parents. They were at some party. We had one of those old phones that was plugged into the wall. As I was pressing the old buttons on the phone, I heard the thump again. But afterwards, I heard tumbling, and then I heard the stairs creak. I hurried under the couch, scared as fuck. I hid under the bed until my parents came. I told them about everything, of course, and they didn't believe me. So I went upstairs, angry at my parents, not even thinking about what had happened, but then I remembered and I started to freak out a little and went to look around the house. And nothing. There was nothing. After that, I felt not just watched in my room, but followed wherever I went. It didn't get any worse than that for a long time. Then about six months ago, I visited a friend for the first time. I knew her from games and stuff online. The first thing she said was, Who's that? I asked her what she meant, and then she went on to explain that there was a very tall shadow behind me. I'm six and a half foot tall, and she said this shadow was a lot taller than me. I got the chills instantly. Now I know that I'm being followed by someone or something. I still, to this day, feel followed, and sometimes out of the corner of my eye, I see a shadow moving. I don't want to make this worse, but I'm going to make it worse. What if it was an actual person? That's the thing that always scares me about these stories, especially if it's like something in a crawl space or something in an attic or something in a basement. Like, what if it's a real person? That's far more scary than it being paranormal. But then I equally wouldn't want to be followed around by a giant shadow. That wouldn't make me happy either. And story number two comes from Debbie. I'm in my mid-twenties and I live with my parents. We moved into our house in 2015. The house was previously owned by an older couple and their gorgeous cat, all of whom have sadly since passed away. This story takes place in late winter of 2020, sometime in November. Our power had gone out, which was quite unusual in the neighbourhood. We live in a suburban neighbourhood outside of Cleveland, Ohio, that's known to be a retirement community. It's always super quiet, seeing as most of our neighbours are old. 
Also, for some stupid reason, it was dark as shit because we didn't have streetlights. On this day, our power went out at around 2.30 in the afternoon. After a couple of minutes, I gave up on it coming back on and went downstairs to wait it out with my parents. I've never felt anything unusual in our house, but I am absolutely terrified of the dark. It was a dark and stormy day that turned into a dark and stormy night. Plus it was cold, and we have a fireplace in the living room and two snuggly cats. After reading and playing on my Switch throughout the day, it was finally late enough to consider going to bed. I tried to lie down in the recliner in front of the fire to sleep, but it was a no-go. I have trouble sleeping in unusual places, and this chair was ridiculously uncomfortable, so I gave up, grabbed a flashlight and headed upstairs to bed. Our upstairs has four rooms, and we had a nightlight in the hallway that I told them was just in case anyone had to go to the bathroom in the night, but really it was just for my comfort. As I said, I hate the dark. It was freezing in my room, so I grabbed an extra blanket and tried to sleep. I also just generally have trouble sleeping, and this night was no different. I had a small novelty lantern that was supposed to mimic candlelight set up on my dresser so it wasn't pitch black. I have a thing about leaving candles burning, especially with two stupid cats that get the zoomies in the middle of the night and run helter-skelter through the house with no regard to anyone sleeping. I normally sleep with a standing fan on, pointed at my face, partially for the noise, but mostly because I like to burrow under the blankets and get hot in the night. Without the noise of the fan, I heard something. It sounded like scratching, like nails being dragged across some rough fabric or cloth surface. And then I realised it was coming from underneath my bed. I sat bolt upright, my heart hammering in my chest, and tried to listen. I heard it again. But more terrifyingly, I felt my bed shake. Being the coward that I am, I sat there for a minute, mind blank with fear, before I decided to do something stupid. I decided to look under the bed. I shakily got off the bed, grabbed my phone and turned the flashlight on. I moved aside the bed skirt, leaned down and saw a dark, shadowy hand reaching out. And I'm just kidding, there was no hand, but there were two very wide eyes staring at me. They belonged to one of my aforementioned stupid cats. He was on his back, eyes wide like he was on the nip, with his claws sunk into my box spring, ripping it to shreds. I breathed a huge sigh of relief and yelled at him for being an asshole and scaring the shit out of me. He just raced off to terrorise someone else for the night. I have to mention, this isn't the first time that he's done this, but being a heartless asshole, he only does it when the power goes out. Don't you just love cats and their absolute and flagrant disregard for any sort of human comfort? Sometimes I actually think they do things just to wind you up. Like there is a point with cats where they think, I'm going to fuck with you as much as I possibly can. And I really think they do do that. For real. As a an insight into my current view, there are two squirrels outside my window. And they are very cute. Very cute. Very small. Lots of digging going on. They're very busy at the moment. As a side note as well, based on that story, I think having a fear of the dark is uh, perfectly reasonable. Genuinely perfectly reasonable. We sort of scoff at it as people get older, as though when you're an adult, you're suddenly meant to just accept that there's no harm going to come to you in the darkness, when actually, you know, sorry, but the darkness is a pretty scary time. 
and naturally in our animal instincts we are programmed to be afraid of the dark for our own protection so i think actually being afraid of the dark is just is just intelligent it's you know it's a sign of it's a sign of wanting to look after yourself a sign of being aware of your surroundings and being afraid of ghosts and story number three comes from ernestina first off i would start by saying that i'm five foot nine (laughs) i have a couple of unexplainable experiences that i thought i would share with you both There is a trigger warning of cancer and the death of a parent. When I was seven years old, we lived in a trailer. The previous owners had painted it in bright colours. The first weird thing that happened was in the kitchen and the hallway area. If you were sitting at the kitchen table and looked out of your peripheral vision, it would look like this creature was climbing on the side of the wall. Kind of like Jeepers Creepers. Talk about a giant nope. A few months later, I was walking from the kitchen to my room on the opposite end of the house and saw a full shadow figure walk from one side of the room to the other. I had an extreme sense of fear and immediately went and told my mom, and she of course said it was my imagination. A few nights later, I got up in the night to use the restroom and noticed the light was on and the door was locked. I could see the shadow of someone standing there, so I knocked, figuring it was my brother as he wasn't in the room. After a couple of minutes, I tried opening the door, as, you know, siblings are mean, and there was nothing. I was getting upset and knocked again. After that last knock, the light shut off and the door stayed locked. I was livid. I went to my parents and woke them up and explained that Alex was in the bathroom and wouldn't get out. What my mom said freaked me out to this day. Your brother isn't here. He's staying at a friend's house. Being in the sleepy state that I was, I said, well, somebody's in the bathroom. Thankfully, we moved not long after that and nothing ever happened again. Fast forward to 2013 and I got the worst news any child could. My dad had stage four colon cancer. We would get up to a year with him, but it could also be less. He had come to terms with what was going to happen and it helped my mom and I somewhat, but not completely. We lost him on December the 23rd, 2013, two months after his diagnosis. We ended up moving from the house, where he passed as it was hard on the family. This is where the tissues will be needed. I had a dream one night that I was in the new apartment. I saw this gorgeous baby blue Cadillac pull up into the parking lot. I wasn't sure as to who was driving as I had my back turned to do some laundry. A few moments later, I heard a knock on the door and I went to open it. On the other side was my dad. Cancer does a lot of things to the human body and weight loss is one of them. But he looked like I chose to remember him, happy and healthy. I immediately tried to hug him, but it was like there was a force that wouldn't let me. As I struggled to touch him, I heard his voice in my head. He told me that he wasn't in pain anymore and that it was beautiful up there. He also told me he was proud of me and that I would always be his baby girl. As I started crying in my dream, he told me he loved me and he would always be by my side. Just as I was finally able to get outside the door, I woke up in a sweat. I knew that he was visiting me to tell me that he was okay. To this day, small little things happen and I know it's him checking in with me, telling me he is here. 
I do believe our loved ones visit us in our dreams to let us know they're okay. I love how universally shitty siblings are to each other. It's just great. You can just get away with bullying your siblings. I mean, I was the youngest, so I was the one that was bullied. But still, you know, if I'd had younger siblings, I probably would have bullied them too. But it's just, it's just accepted, isn't it? That siblings are going to be shit to each other. And I would, I would love to believe. I want to believe. I think it's lovely to think that loved ones come and visit us in our dreams. It's such a beautiful sentiment and it's just lovely to think that it is possible. And story number four comes from Natalie. During high school and a part of college, I worked in a restaurant in the heart of my city that was built in the mid-19th century. The owners don't want people to know it's haunted, so I'm going to leave the name out. The restaurant actually used to be a home of a polygamist, where nine of his wives lived and 17 of their children lived along with them. Since being a home, it has been a school and a boarding home for women and now a restaurant and event centre. Pretty much everyone who has worked there, whether it's in the restaurant, in the basement or the banquet and party halls on the upper two floors, has had their own ghost story to add to the collection. I worked in the restaurant part that was probably the least active part of the home, but people still saw and heard things. One night I was walking back into the kitchen from the first floor. None of the girls liked to go alone to put our cash drawers in the safe when the lights were all off upstairs. The hallways were long and you had to walk past open door rooms to get to the front office. It always felt like someone was watching you and turning on the lights wasn't an option because the switches were on either end of the hall. As I came back downstairs I felt someone following me so I just kept my head down and headed to the kitchen. Before you walk in the kitchen, there are mats so that you don't slip, and I distinctly felt them move as though someone was behind me. I even stepped aside to let them into the kitchen first, but no one was there. One night a maintenance worker was fixing our oven when he looked up at our kitchen doors and saw a woman dressed in late 19th century clothes. He said she just looked at him and then turned and disappeared. Voices have been heard on the floors above, usually young women talking about ribbons and lace. A host upstairs heard some of their colleagues walking down the hall and decided to hide in the closet and jump out and scare them. He waited until they were right by the door and jumped out, only to find no one there. He said the voices were talking about the changes that had been made to the home and when no one is supposed to be upstairs, we have heard children running up and down the halls. My boss late one night was all by himself crunching numbers when he heard the dinner bell ring three times. Then all the doors on the second floor shut and the sound of people rushing down the stairs echoed in the home. He of course saw no one and left immediately. Another creepy fact about that story is that the bell is in a glass case and can't be accessed without a key and this happened at two in the morning. On these floors, the hosts have had their organised chairs pushed against the wall, things go missing, and items will be moved from one place to another when they only look away for a second. The security guards who watch the home at night have loads of incidents that are unexplainable. There are pressure points on the floor that set alarms off if someone is in the home at night, and they have been triggered many times when no one is in the house. The restaurant is attached to the home next door by one door. 
One day, the people who give tours of the home next door came to ask the women in the offices who was trying to open the door. They were confused. No one was trying to open the door. The tour guide insisted and said that someone was jiggling the handle and trying to put a key in the door. One of the secretaries got up and showed him the door to prove it was impossible. In front of that door is a fridge and pioneer clothes and on the other side of the door is a large desk. Down in the restaurant at the bottom of the stairs there's a mirror. One of the workers was checking their hair when they saw a little boy in late 19th century clothing peeking his head through the banister. Another worker happened to be walking by and looked in the mirror and saw the boy too. But as they turned to look at the stairs, he wasn't there. That mirror has been broken twice overnight for no reason. On the upper floors one evening after an event, some parents asked their daughter to wait in the parlour, allegedly the most haunted room in the home while they went to pay for the event. As they were chatting with the secretary, their little girl ran into them looking scared and they asked her what the matter was and to go back and wait for them. She shook her head and said, No, the men with the beards are staring at me. There was obviously nobody in the room. Everyone that works there knows there is nothing menacing in the house, even if the apparitions that have been seen have scared the crap out of us. Like I said... There are plenty of ghost stories about the house, and I'm sure glad I never actually saw a ghost. But when I do go on visit, I keep my eyes peeled for anything that might solidify my belief in ghosts. Nine wives. Gosh, like he's collecting them. How would you have the time, or the energy, or the inclination to have nine wives? It just seems, seems very seems very greedy to want to have nine wives. But there you go. And then 17 children. Places like that have such a crazy rich history. Like so much went on. There's so much emotion. If you've got 17 children, nine women and a husband, a man, whatever, living in that house. Like there's so much emotion going on. So many different people having so many different feelings. So many different viewpoints. So much tension going on in the one house. When we talk about things like, what do they call it? Is it stone tape theory? where you have things that are echoed back throughout time. Like, that'll be a prime place for stuff like that to happen. And it does sound like it's all pretty innocuous. Like, it does sound like it's it's none of it's particularly malevolent or evil or dangerous. But I wouldn't want to see no little boy peeking through the banisters either. You know, it can be as innocuous as it likes. I still don't want to see it. I still don't want to experience it. And our final stories today come from Morgan. And I think it's Morgan. It's Morgan with an E on the end. I don't know if that's Morgane. Is is that is that a fancy way? I don't, I don't know. Is it a fancier Morgan? I don't know. And I'm sorry if I've gotten it wrong. When we were kids, my siblings and I often travelled to Brittany with our parents during the school holidays. Brittany is a northwestern French territory. It is the only Celtic country of France. And the Bretons are still very well known for telling all sorts of old and modern ghost stories. My dad's family still lives there, including my grandparents who hosted us every time we visited. But once during the Halloween holidays, my grandparents couldn't offer us to stay with them because my uncle's family had come over before us and occupied all the rooms in their house. My dad then booked a friend's house in the neighbouring village and my sister, my brother and I were all quite excited to try it. 
The house was very old and had a massive staircase made of oak wood. I remember thinking, these stairs will be creaky during the night for sure. Not cool. The house also had a separate kitchen from the living room, whose door was always locked for some reason. The two bedrooms upstairs had very old-fashioned beds and wardrobes, and the entire house often smelled like damp. It was, however, pretty clean and tidy when we arrived. I remember feeling very cold all the time in this house, even though the temperatures outside weren't so bad. I was 12 and my brother was 10 and we were a duo of troublemakers and we tried several times to unlock the living room door. One day my father found a key upstairs and to our great pleasure we found out that it could open the door. Upon entering the living room for the first time that day, I felt an immediate wave of cold covering my entire body. I could tell my brother had felt the same as he was shivering next to me. The room had nice old furniture and was perfectly empty, but it felt like something we couldn't see had been standing there all the time. My brother and I eventually decided to keep the door locked for the rest of our time in the house. That week, my stepmother, who was pregnant with my second little brother, invited us to do a Ouija board. She called it spiritism and said it was a frequent activity in Russia where she came from. We sat around the kitchen table and started calling the spirits of our ancestors to ask them questions about the future. The bowl we were holding with our fingers on the Ouija board would indicate letters to form words in an attempt to answer our questions. Now that I think about it, my stepmother probably moved it herself at the time, especially when you know that she got the answer wrong. She asked what gender her baby would be. The ghost said that it would be a girl, and she really wanted a girl, and it ended up being a boy. Anyway, the following night, my brother and I were chatting late in bed when we suddenly heard a man's voice shouting, Is there anybody here? Hello? We were immediately stunned. The man kept shouting for a little while before everything became silent again. His voice sounded nothing like my father's voice. It didn't come from outside because we heard it resonating in the house and the large garden separated the house from the street. There was no sound of doors opening and closing either, just this voice. We also noticed that nobody had come up or down the stairs because these stairs were too noisy to go unnoticed when we were walking on them. After a few minutes, we decided we were too afraid to go downstairs but brave enough to go check on our parents' room to check if the voice came from one of them. We both got up and walked quickly to our parents' room. They were both asleep. The following day was thankfully our last day in the house. We told our parents and my sister about what happened, but they didn't believe us. You must have dreamed it, my father even said. But how could we have had the same dream? And my brother and I remembered being perfectly awake. Then my stepmother startled, and said while looking at us, Oh, I'm so sorry, children. It is probably true, and it is my fault. When we do spiritism, you must thank the ghosts and kindly ask them to leave at the end of the session. We forgot to do that last night. Needless to say, we were happy to go home that day. I just hope we didn't haunt the place forever. This second story happened when I was eight, and I'm still quite confused when I talk about it. It always took me a long time to fall asleep at night, even as a child, because of my anxiety. 
but once I was sleeping, I wouldn't wake up until the morning. Except that night. A little bit of context first. My sister and I were sleeping in the same room in bunk beds. My mother at that time had been in a relationship for several years with a man who had two daughters from a previous marriage. These girls would sleep in our room when they were staying with us on the weekends, but they hadn't come that weekend. That night I woke up at around 3 or 4 a.m., feeling someone sleeping next to me in my bed. I first noticed the person's feet next to my face, before feeling her body lying next to mine. I immediately got up and turned on the bedroom light. The room's lamp was located right next to my sister's upper bed, and I heard her moan because of the light so it wasn't her. I turned off the light and waited for my eyes to get used to the darkness again, and then I got close to the mysterious person's body. I could tell it was a girl. She had long black hair and her face was turned to the wall so I couldn't see it. She was in a nightgown and a little bit taller than me but not much. I thought it must have been my mother or the eldest daughter of my stepfather. But why would my mother sleep in my bed when she had her own bed a few metres away? And my stepfather's daughters had not been here over the weekend. I was very confused but also afraid to turn the girl's face to see who it was. I thought about waking my sister, but she was very moody that night. Then I thought about going to my mother's room to check on her, but she was even worse than my sister at night. So I did the craziest thing. I went back to bed, next to this mysterious person, and I fell asleep after a few minutes. I really don't know how and why I did that. When I got up in the morning, I could tell someone had slept in my bed as it was messier than usual. My mother was having her breakfast in the kitchen. I told her this story and she thought I must have dreamed it. But I remember being perfectly awake and even still feel the cold of the floor under my feet when I got up. It was real. But I still don't know who this girl was. And I guess I will never know. Don't we just do the weirdest things at night time? How many stories have we had over the last three years where somebody wakes up at night time, something happens, horrendous mildly horrendous maybe a bit peaceful whatever it might be and they just turn over and go back asleep I don't know whether it's our sleep and brain is like oh we can deal with this in the morning or we just don't get frightened by it I really don't know but I can totally understand how and why you got back into bed and went to sleep because what else were you going to do like what else was were you going to go wake somebody and say look there's somebody in my bed even though you know it's none of those people who it could possibly be so strange And obviously, you know, we need a PSA, don't play the Ouija board, don't play the Ouija board with your step-parents, even if it is what they do in Russia all the time. Don't play the Ouija board because you'll end up inadvertently haunting a house forever and probably the Airbnb people don't really want that. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you want to send in your own story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you tomorrow.